Let's welcome Les Meredith. Thank you, John. Yeah. I always tell the people that I work with as an attorney that when they make fun of me or tell attorney jokes, I talk longer and slower. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for inviting me in today to, to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was the opportunity to explain one man's trip into learning if there is more uh, with God. And uh, as John said, I was... What we, if we have to put classifications on an evangelical Christian, I went to a very nice teaching church, which we didn't hear much about, you know, the gifts of the Spirit or them being active today. The relationship was with the teaching and with the pastor and less relationship, you know, with God directly. So uh, let's go ahead and start the slides. This is our title of this series. And I will just give you a little bit of background. John kind of gave you a high level. Just let me fill in a few of the blanks. I'm a healthcare attorney. Uh, I've always kind of loved medicine, defending doctors and hospitals and lawsuits. i uh, very left-brained. I don't know how many of you out there are very left-brained where you compartmentalize things and you always have something stirring up and down. And it's hard to kind of quiet your mind because you may be sitting watching a basketball game, but your mind is thinking about work. It's thinking about where you're going to go afterwards. It's already making plans for next week. That's kind of my background. That's where I came from. I'm very logic-based and evidence-based. In fact, I came to Christ after law school. I had always thought there was a God just by looking at the beauty and the creativity of the world. And I wasn't sure whether Jesus Christ was the Son of God or if this was the only religion. But after I got out of law school, I thought this is the most important decision you will ever make is to find the one true God. And I began reviewing many of the world's religions and not practicing them, but, but reviewing them. And, and just coming to the fact that as you read the gospel, a gospel of love and how God wants to reunite with his creation. But his creation is kind of over here doing their own thing. And he's inviting you throughout the Bible to return to him with grace and forgiveness and love. That was the one. I, I, I came to Christ after law school. And, and, I, and I praise all of you who can hear the gospel one time and just know that you know. You know, but for me, it's more of a little bit of journey. I need a little bit more evidence on things. So things can come slowly, but when I do discover that's right, I become very passionate about it. So that's kind of my background. I serve here on the prayer team. Uh, I like to pray for people. I also uh, am on the chaplain corps at the Pomerado Hospital, working in the long-term care villas uh, with those patients because over the last eight years, God has really graced uh, my heart to want to pray for the sick and to minister for those who may not be able to get up and go to church. So uh, I wanted to come today and just tell you a little bit about this journey. I have a family. My wife, Donette, is, is here, and we have three kids. Two of them just graduated college this year. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Financial freedom, too. Uh, and uh, my son, Hunter, who's also here, he's just started college. So uh, the eight-year journey to discovering the more of God occurred while we were a very busy household with full-time jobs and three kids going to middle school, then to high school, and then getting them into college. So, you know, there isn't... If you're waiting for a time, oh, when this is done, I'll go find God. When this is done, I'll go find God. But I've got to get this over with first. 
No, you, you find God first, and then the umbrella of things that occupy your mind will fall in place. He'll give you the wisdom to take care of those things. He'll give you the peace to endure all the changes that are going to happen in your life. We can't say, I'll go do God thing when I retire. You need to do it now. I mean, you need to do it now. I hope as I talk today, you're going to feel a little bit of a stirring in your heart. And that's going to be the Holy Spirit talking to you. And He does talk to us. He dwells within us. And we have to learn to discern as part of our maturity as believers and followers of Christ. What's He trying to say? And it's okay to say, God, are you trying to tell me something? Is that you, Holy Spirit? You know, what, are you, what message are you bringing? And then learn to listen because it is interactive. I didn't believe it at first, but it is interactive. And so I'm going to tell you my story a little bit chronologically. It is eight years long, so I hope you're comfortable uh, in your chairs today. Uh, I'll try to summarize the best I can. Next slide, please. Uh, the, the title I just slightly added to here for my piece today was, called, was Enhancing Your Relationship with Your Supernatural God. Now, we hear the word supernatural, and sometimes that can scare people because we immediately think of vampires, ghosts, and witches. Things that are mean and things that are bad, and, and usually they're all make-believe. But the word supernatural does offend some people, and they feel like no one should be talking about the supernatural. And, of course, the devil will counterfeit anything that God does. So that there are many visible examples, if you watch the CW channel or other channels, of supernatural ghost hunters and demon chasers and all sorts of things on TV, but the church is kind of silent. And yet that is the, the, the best authoritative book on anything that's supernatural is the Bible. And we see that the power and the authority to take anything supernatural and get it out of our way is from the Bible and through the authority that Christ has given us. So we do need to understand as the church a little bit about the supernatural of God. And, 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 and bring it down to a level of knowing that supernatural is not something scary. It simply means that something is happening outside of what we consider to be our natural laws. Something that we feel should physically not happen based on our experience is happening. So that's really all supernatural means. It's something we may not fully understand because it seems outside of our normal experience. But when we understand that God created the world... And he can step in or out of this realm or send his angels in or out of this realm. And he shows us many examples of this in the Bible. To him, everything's natural. From his perspective, it's all natural. But for our perspective, what he created in the heavenly realm that overlaps the earth because of the price Jesus paid is outside of our physical understanding sometimes and is supernatural. And the way that we connect to these things is by having a relationship with our supernatural God. Where better to be than under the wing of the person who created it all, who controls it all, who has authority of it all, who is always good and always loves you and forgives you and wants the best for your life? Can you imagine why would you not spend a minute in a day to connect to that kind of a source? If you're struggling with depression, anxiety, or fear, when your belief system starts to believe that the worst is going to happen, God isn't going to save me, this is going to happen, I'm going to be so embarrassed, we're going to lose the house, and that becomes your mindset, God is saying, connect with me. I'm above all that. I will help you have peace. We'll get some wisdom to you. You know, the book of James says anyone who cries out for wisdom, God wants to give it to him. But you've got to ask. And I think that's one of the key things of this whole thing. You've got to be interactive with God. He's not in the book. The book is about him. And it tells us a great deal of knowledge that has withstood the test of time for thousands of years. But he also gave us something better 
to be able to talk to him and be interactive with him and to feel his presence, to feel his peace. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is, you know, the more you connect with God, you get this residue of God, which is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, creativity. These are the things that are around God and his glory, his glorious presence. And when you connect with him, it gets on you. And so I just, I just want to say that the, the key to all of this is the relationship with God. You only need to learn how to walk in your gifts because you can't earn them. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you today how to earn your gift. What I'm going to do is tell you how to learn to walk what God's already given you because he's not speaking out loud telling you. So we're going to have a little bit of fun today talking about what has God vested each one of us with? How do we learn about it? How do we do it? And what can it look like? I've experienced when I had no expectation for it all. So Jesus earned the right to have these gifts working through you to continue his ministry on the earth. You're not going to earn them. You're just going to be a free gift. You know, sometimes that bothers people. They, you know, if it's free, it's probably not worth anything. That's <laughs> our mindset on the earth. If it's free, it's probably not worth anything. But no, some of the most important things in the kingdom were free so that nobody could brag. Nobody could set up and say, I'm the general, I'm the leader because I have prophecy or because God told me this. God's saying, yeah, but everybody has that capability. That way you can't brag, you can't position, you can't get to heaven and say, what's he doing here? Don't have to earn it, right? But you've got to appreciate it. We need to appreciate it at least. So God puts his Holy Spirit in you almost like a 9-volt battery that you get when a child gets a toy at Christmas. And it, it looks great. And maybe it even, you know, does something and you can use your imagination. But you put that 9-volt battery in it and all of a sudden it lights up and it moves and has power. It does all sorts of things. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. God has put his presence in each believer so that we might have a supernatural connection to the power that he's offering to fulfill his first and greatest commission. Go across the earth and take it in his name. Reveal him to all peoples so that they may know he's the one true God. That's all of our purposes. So you ever wonder what your purpose is? It was clearly outlined in Genesis, repeated to Abraham. Jesus said it. We, we connect with our purpose, and the way we can do it is because God gives us the power to do it. It's that 9-volt battery. Just, it gives us the walkie-talkie to communicate. gives us the power to go. And, and it's the source that's within us to pull all of these things together as we read Scripture. Next slide, please. So relationship is a very interactive relationship. I think right now there's people in the church who are saying, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. And when you ask me whether I want to do this, this, or this that's sinful, I have to say, no, I'm a Christ follower, and he's not walking that direction. So we're interactive with Jesus. He's the exact representation of the Father. The Bible's clear on this, that he came to show us what the Father was like. During a time where most of the, of the followers had reduced religion into ceremonies and do's and don'ts. And they didn't really pray. They had assigned certain people to pray. But not everybody could pray. They couldn't even go in the parts of the temple. So God was kind of being held off by his people. And he sent his son to reveal who he really was. To reveal what his heart was. So Jesus walks out a life, and in the things that he does, he represents to us the Father's heart, the Father's character, the Father's names, so that we will want to love him and rejoin him for eternity. 
That's the whole New Testament change. It's no longer laws and ceremonies and try to be good in what you do. It's turn your heart to God. Reflect his love into the world. Bring people back to him for eternity, for their joy. That's the New Testament change. And we have to get on board with that. There were times in the Old Testament God would send his Holy Spirit upon someone. And he says upon someone, a craftsman for the temple, maybe the prophets upon Moses, uh, upon Samson and a few others. But they never had the indwelling Holy Spirit that that we have because of, of the price that Jesus paid. We now have God in us and the hope of glory. Before that, it was everyone falls short of the glory because of sin. Now we have that little 9-volt battery in us that's going to power us into a greater ministry and a greater, greater connection with God that people weren't able to have that interactivity in the Old Testament. So for me, I'm sitting in my chair in my church for almost 10 years and same chair, I owned it. <laughs> you know, Don't you feel that after a while going to church is sitting in your chair listening to the pastor saying hi to a few friends and on the way home you talk about, oh, I guess I've never heard the way the pastor teaches today. What did you think about that? Oh, he dragged in the middle. You know, you're talking about the pastor. You're talking about the message. You're not really talking about Christ or whether it lifted you up. You can get in a rut. And I was in that rut. I had most relationship with my chair Rather than with God. But I would volunteer occasionally. Donette and I you know, would volunteer in the children's ministry. Right? God likes a good sacrifice. So <laughs> you go. You do a day once a month in the children's ministry. It kind of ranks you up a little bit. So, but you were started to both kind of say, you know, there's got to be more. You know, I just feel like there's got to be more than this. Just coming and listening and going home and watching football. Uh, so... It was one day I was listening and the verse from Ephesians 4 came up, which kind of just captured my attention because I had this impression sitting where you're sitting right now that the pastor was the one who was supposed to go on missions, the one that if anyone can hear from God, and I kind of doubt that they could, uh, it would be a pastor who prays with him each day. Uh, maybe he hears from God, but he runs the church and he should be out doing all this stuff that God wants done, right? I'm supposed to believe in Jesus and go to heaven. End of the job description. That was kind of my mindset. And be nice to people so that they think I know Jesus. Uh, You know, that's the mindset. But I heard Ephesians 4 and something just kind of stuck in my heart. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is subtle. Sometimes he just highlights something to you. And then things start to line up that keep highlighting that same thing to you. And it's very subtle the way God can speak. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've bought a brand new car And it was so beautiful, and the color red, you just thought, was such the greatest color red. This is the only car like this. And you get in it, and you take it home, and what's the first thing you notice as you drive it the next day? All the other red cars of exactly that same model that are driving down the street, and you're like, why did I not notice there were so many of these cars before? But now it's been highlighted to you, and you're noticing all the same models and all the same colors, and you feel like, oh, maybe I should have got something else. But the Holy Spirit can work similarly. He'll highlight something for you and it will repeat. Because sometimes it's the time on the clock. I always see the clock at 1039. What does that mean? I always see, you know, 555 on the clock. What does that mean? And there are times the Holy Spirit will communicate with us in certain ways. So we just always have to be, if we feel like there's something stirring in us, say, God, is that you? What are you trying to show me? Tell me what you want me to do. I'm listening. And, and listen. 
The Bible tells us we're supposed to listen for God to speak back, and that's kind of an active listening. I don't know if you've ever used a fly swatter. You walk up to the fly, and you get this close. You're actively waiting. Now, waiting doesn't seem like you're really doing anything. You're just standing in the middle. Your wife comes in, and you're just standing in the middle of the room like this. She can't tell that you're actively waiting. And then, so actively listening is a lot like that. You pray to the Lord, and you ask him to breathe into you and speak to you. Then you wait. And maybe you start getting things that come to your mind. Oh, I was going to do this. I need to do this this afternoon. I'm just sitting here. Oh, Lord, why didn't I do that before I came into the room? Now I've got to go to the bathroom. And all these things start to run through your mind. And in order for you to get back to actively listening, you say, God, thank you for reminding me of that. I'll take care of it later. God, thank you for reminding me of that. I'll take care of that later. And you push them out of your mind so that you are actively listening for anything that might change in what you weren't thinking about a moment before. This is how God communicates with most people. There are some lucky enough to hear God speak out loud. I've never heard God speak out loud, but I know a couple of people who have. My wife has heard God speak out loud. And I just think that's way cool, but not for me. It's just not a gift, but I do hear from God now. I never did before. So we'll talk a little bit more about that journey, but I wanted you to understand active listening is not a waste of time. Active listening is the way we wait to see if any new thoughts, pictures, change in our countenance. I came in angry to prayer. Now suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm peaceful. You notice during active waiting whether there are any changes that you can say, God, is that you? Are you trying to tell me something? I'm listening. All right, so next, uh, next slide, please. The, uh, the Ephesians 4.12 verse that I was talking about says, He himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the believers. For the work of the ministry. And I thought, what? So, okay, maybe there are pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles. Maybe they didn't all die off back then. But equipping the believers for the work of the ministry. That really, that really startled me. Wait a minute. I thought they did the ministry. I come on Sunday and I listen. So that was the Holy Spirit kind of breaking off of me the wrong lie that I'd listened to for years, that I'm just a powerless believer going to heaven. And these people who are anointed are going to do all the stuff. I'm sorry. It's okay. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go with that in just a second. Um, so here was this mindset change for me. And God actually tells us when these what we call office uh, gifts, the office of the prophet, the office of the apostle, people who are supposed to help us understand how to walk in the spiritual gifts, these will end, they will expire, and I think some people think they're already expired. But no, God tells us that these gifts will be until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God as perfect men to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we are no longer easily thrown to and fro by the new doctrines of men. Are we there yet? No. These gifts are still very active. And so we see the, the office gifts, Mark and John both have office gifts for equipping y'all to do the ministry. And the Lord is going to be kind enough to give you the power to do that ministry. So I needed a little more evidence, but I was starting to have a change in mindset. So what we see is that uh, the Lord has given us 
a couple indications in the Bible of what we're supposed to be doing. The internship slide, I believe it might be the one before this. Yes, uh, there were internships in the Bible. I don't know how many people have had an internship. Okay, well, an internship is basically where you may go to a workplace that you'd like to work in, and they train you, and they teach you, and they set you about doing what it would be that you would do if you got a job there, so they can test you to see whether they like you, whether you're doing a good job, give you an understanding whether that's something you really want to do. Sometimes they pay you, sometimes they don't. But the focus is to help you understand what it is you're supposed to be doing. So Jesus sent out his 12 apostles, and this was the command he gave them. These are fishermen, tax collectors, blue-collar guys, didn't have a lot of experience with anything he was about to set them out on. He just said, go out two by two, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give it away. So he is giving them authority to go out into the community and do these things where they have no idea. The Old Testament did not give them any type of script to pray out a demon or to heal the sick. They're just supposed to go trust that in Jesus' name these things will happen. Well, after the twelve went out and were very successful at establishing ministries in certain areas around Jerusalem, he decided wouldn't it be fun to send 72 more guys out. So we see in the book of Luke, he gathers up 72 and he tells them very similar instructions to go out in the community two by two. And he said, you know, pray for more laborers. The harvest field is very big, but the laborers who are willing to go are few. We all need to pray for more laborers. So he's telling them, we need more internships. We need more people willing to go. So these 72 went back. And if you've you've ever read this, that when they return, they are so happy. They're back slapping each other and they come into town making noise. They are saying, Lord, Even the demons leave in your name. They were very happy. And Jesus, as he always does, he's just kind of got to lead them in the right direction. He doesn't quelch their enthusiasm. He leads it into the different direction. He says, yes, but be even more glad that you're known by God. That your name is written in the book of life. So what he's saying is, yeah, we can do some amazing things when we're connected to God. And we can do amazing things in the name of Jesus. But it's all because we know him and we have this interactive relationship with him. That's what our focus has to stay on. We never get our glory, satisfaction or focus from the acts that we do on his behalf. They may be mind blowing. You may see something crazy, but that can't be your adrenaline rush that sustains you. Because there'll be days when you don't get the healing or you don't get the prophetic word. But you'll always have your relationship with God. And so that's what's paramount. Whenever we study anything about the gifts or about miracles and things, is you know, a sign points to something else. You don't go out the exit sign. You go out the door it's pointing to. And all the sign wonders and miracles are pointing to God. And you go there, and then those things will follow. He'll get them on you. All right, so... These are just some of the cool things that they did. And what we wanted to do is talk a little bit more about what we can do. But I wasn't quite convinced. You know, I needed a little more evidence. Am I really supposed to be doing those kind of things? Because I didn't get a Ph.D. in religious study. I don't have a divinity degree. Uh, And a lot of us think that we're not to minister because we don't have, you know, any kind of ministry degree. But that, that didn't matter to God's internships. 
So I thought, well, if he wanted me to do it, he should have spoke it more clearly. Or he should have told me out loud because I'm available. I really wasn't. I didn't listen and I didn't do active listening back then. But, you know, you get in this mindset, God knows where I am. If he wants me out there praying for the sick, he'll tell me. You know, we get that little bit of attitude there. Probably because we really are a little uncomfortable about going out and talking to strangers about God. So we rationalize a little bit. Okay, uh, so the next slide, the commissions. You know, there are about four commissions in the New Testament that Jesus specifically told the apostles, but he also told 110 disciples and all those who would follow them. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. What he sent me here to reveal the Father's heart and to defeat the devil... I send you to do that. Hmm. That's pretty clear. Then in Mark 16, where Jesus has been resurrected, he's speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them to go out and preach the gospel. And he says, these signs will follow those who believe in me. Some of your translations will say, all who believe in me. How many alls do we have in here? It's all you all. All yous all. These signs will follow those who believe. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. So I was getting pretty convinced that there's something I'm going to need about this following Christ. And uh, it doesn't say pray for the sick. It says the sick will recover. He could have just said go out and pray for the sick. You know, bring them grace. Bring them comfort. Bring them mercy. Bring them the idea that they will once be in eternal life with heaven, and it will all be peaceful, and it will all be good, reunited with their God. That's not what he said. He said the sick will recover. So I would just say that I was really convinced by this time that I'm supposed to be doing something in my relationship with God. And uh, how am I supposed to have the power to do that? Next slide. The gift who keeps on giving. I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Most assuredly, I say, he who believes in me, this is Jesus talking, the works that I do, he will do also. And he will do greater works than what I'm doing because I go to my Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Wow. God finally put a clear one on me that I couldn't avoid. I couldn't rationalize away. (laughs) Jesus was leaving the earth. But in a way, he was leaving behind the Holy Spirit, which had all the same power and capability, but was going to be so intimate that he didn't want to walk next to us. He wanted to be inside of us. And we were all going to get that power. And with that power, we're going to be able to do even amazing things that Jesus did. And he said, even greater works. Now, some people right there, they say, oh, we've got to leave this church. You say you're greater than Jesus. That's heretic. He said it. He said it. So, you know, right away, we see a few stories in the book of Acts as these new believers are learning how to walk in the Holy Spirit. They don't know what to do. They just walk and they wait for God to kind of, you know, lead them into a situation where they have to rely on God. And that's really what it comes down to. You're in a situation. You say, God, will you help me here? What do you want to do? I pray your power in this situation. They learn how to do that in the book of Acts. But we see that Paul has handkerchiefs and he wipes his sweat off. Uh, while he's making tents as earning a living. And these handkerchiefs are taken out to heal people and to cast out demons in people. And when Peter walks to the temple, they bring the sick out and they just lay him along the sidewalk so that as his shadow goes by, they get healed. So 
did we see some works in the Bible that say that this, what Jesus said, is true? Yeah, he, he never, to, the, to what we've seen, wiped his brow and his handkerchief healed somebody. They spoke in tongues, shadows healed. So we see that this is Jesus being quoted, that we're all going to have something special that will enable us to continue his commission on the earth. The church body working together is now Jesus with the Holy Spirit moving across the earth and revealing the Father to everyone and who he is and defeating the works of the devil. Double bonus. So we had, I had started asking the Lord that I really wanted to learn more about this and I wanted to him to change my heart because I was kind of a know-it-all attorney. I didn't have a lot of time for anyone other than my own family. Most of you have known me here. You know me post-Holy Spirit. <laughs> Pre-Holy pre Spirit. I wasn't that great a guy to hang around with probably. I wasn't mean. I didn't have a lot of bad habits, but I was pretty straightforward, you know, to the wall, 100% work or my kids, nothing in between. Wasn't real charitable, uh, maybe with money, but not with time. And I said, Lord, if I'm going to do this with you, I need to represent you. And I don't love people that much. And I really need you to pour love in my heart. And you know, the Holy Spirit's in Scripture, in the book of John, it says he's the source of God's love. And he will pour God's love into your heart. And I asked God, every day I would get on my knees and say, help me to change to be more like Jesus. Help me to change to love people more. Because I can do these things, but it wouldn't be real unless I really feel your tug on my heart to get involved in their life, to take the time to go and do it. So I had to ask for change, and he was very gracious to reward it. It took some time, but it was time that has benefited my wife and our marriage, time that's benefited my relationship with my kids, because I asked, and anything you ask God that will bring glory to his name or help you to become more like Jesus, I guarantee you he wants to answer those kind of prayers. Just ask. So some people say, why did you go for healing? And I, and I can only say that, you know, as... I always liked medicine. It was always kind of in my heart. I love to hear stories about people getting healed. And when Jesus announced his anointing, several of the things that he said his anointing applied to were uh, to heal the brokenhearted and recovery of sight to the blind. And when John the Baptist was about to be beheaded and in prison, he started to lose faith. And he sent his people out to Jesus and he said, are you the one to come or not? You know, am I in jail for the wrong guy because I believe you're the Messiah? And Jesus said, go back and tell John what you've seen. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf will hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor. So healing and all the examples of healing were not just something Jesus did to prove he was the Messiah. It was who he is. It was what he was about. God wanted to bring it to his people and show him that he's power over everything. And he brings his loving blessings on the people. So for me, healing just became something that was fascinating to me. And so I began praying over people. And I didn't know how to pray for healing. I went to the community food and prayer that our church sponsors. And if you want to connect and learn what your gifts are, I went into the prayer room. Donette went and served food. I went into the prayer room. And I just started praying for people. You know, Father, we just pray for healing in Jesus' name. We just pray this would go away in Jesus' name. And it wasn't long before a woman had come in with a big lump on her wrist, couldn't move her hand. She was 10 out of 10 in pain. She had carpal tunnel. She had been taking injections that had provided no relief to her. 
She was well known to all the people as a volunteer handing out food to the poor. And she sat down and we prayed for her and nothing happened. I said, well, wait a minute. You know, sometimes Jesus paid, prayed twice for people. Let's pray again. So I just put my hand on her shoulder and I said, I just come against this carpal tunnel. I pray for the pain to leave her body in Jesus' name right now. Father, I know you're a healer. We know you don't change. I just pray for healing here in Jesus' name. And she started to weep. Okay, well, maybe I'm squeezing her shoulder too hard. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, so I said, I said, what's happening? She goes, it's tingling. She says, look, I can wiggle my fingers. She says, this is amazing. I said, well, how bad is the pain? She goes, oh, it's like a four now. It's like a four. I said, well, let's pray one more time. And I said, but let me ask you a question. I said, can you do this? And she said, oh, no. She said, if you've ever had carpal tunnel, you know that's the last thing you're going to do. And she said, no, I don't know. That would hurt too much. And I said, well, God's showing you that he's here. He's, he's going to heal you. Would you do this in faith that he is going to completely heal you? She reluctantly said, okay. Third prayer, the lump disappeared. Her hands became completely free. She had no pain whatsoever, and it never, and it never came back. I walked out of there saying, wow, there was no thunder. There was no lightning. No angel descended on the room. This was just quiet, quiet presence of God stuff. So that, that had me hooked. I'm going to keep coming to these food and prayer outreaches. I'm going to serve in the prayer room, and I'm going to pray for people. And so it took about two years, uh, and I never had a prophetic word from God. I was listening to all sorts of tapes and reading lots of books by people who had healing ministries over the years. And some of them would get these words of knowledge where they would, they would walk into a stadium or something, and they, God would make their elbow hurt. And they would say, does anybody have pain in the right elbow? I think God wants to heal it. And everyone with pain in the right elbow would stand up. And it would. It would really, that was how God was forecasting to them that he wanted to heal pain in elbows, a word of knowledge. And so I was saying, Lord, I would love to have words of knowledge. I'd love to hear for you. But I didn't. And I was pretty frustrated. But I didn't give up on just declaring what Scripture said into people who were sick. I was just going to pray uh, for the sick. So I started reading about the spiritual gifts. And I read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, which is kind of where we are on this series. And Paul is in a church where the gifts are just going crazy. And he's trying to tell them how to have an orderly service. And he's talking about, you know, the various gifts that we're going through in this study. But he says, you know, they're all worthless unless they come from a heart of love. I thought, worthless? How could you call anything from God worthless? But this was God saying that if you can't do these things in love, they're worthless. So that, that was kind of interesting. And then it said that all of these gifts are available as the Holy Spirit gives them out. So you're getting a gift from God. You're not supposed to complain about him. He's giving you part of being in the body that even, you know, some people prophesy, and Paul says it's okay to all want to prophesy because that's breathing what God wants to do into the church and into people. But you can go after the greater gifts. And one day you may have one gift, and the next day there may be a different circumstance where God wants to work through you in another gift. So the gifts can change on occasion as God wills. So I, I thought, well, this is really good, but I'm, I'm leaning into healing, and I'm asking God about healing. And... Uh, uh, he was very good to be able to uh, respond, and we were starting to see in our ministry uh, certain healings. Next slide, please. Next slide, spiritual gifts. 
All right, well, maybe we missed one. But spiritual gifts are for everyone, and we are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, so covet is actually in your Bible. In some of the translations, you can covet the spiritual gifts. And we're not, you know, oh, wait, we're not supposed to covet. That's heretical. But something so uniquely given to us by God that can help his people and reveal how good he is, is something we can covet for ourselves. I want to get prophecy and help people. I inner healing for physical healing. I want that, God. You can cry out for it and covet it. So I think if God's giving you that kind of permission, it's something that we should look into uh, as a people. Uh, for me, during this time period then, I had to go and visit my mom who was having an operation in Indiana. And one of her longtime childhood friends was a Pentecostal preacher named Brother Joe Simpson. Brother Joe, she knew to be an honest man and a forthright man and a man who loved to talk about God wherever he was. And so we would sit and we would talk in the hospital lobby and he would tell me about miracles and signs and wonders that he had seen and they would break my heart that I had not heard that these things were still going on today. Some of them were so amazing I would call Donette at night on my way home from the hospital and say, <laughs> and the man was burned and his wife was in the hospital and she's completely covered with bandages and her eyelids are burned off. <laughs> and he went there and he got the man saved and he took the man to the hospital and the nuns opened the door and said, don't turn on the lights, she's, she'll go blind, she can't see, she's, she's black, she's charred. And, and they go in, and a light comes into the room, and the nuns rush in and say, turn the light off, but there is no light turned on. There, there was a light going in the room, and she got completely healed. Her eyes grew back in front of the nurses. Her skin returned pink. She accepted Christ, and they took her home. And I, I was wasted. This was the Holy Spirit's final grab on my heart, that this kind of stuff is still happening today. And Donette just said, okay then this is the most important thing in the world. We're going to serve God. We're going to do it 100%. So we decided that we have just got to focus in on this and figure out what God is asking us to do. So Brother Joe laid his hands on me and just said, what's the desire of your heart? That's probably God putting it into you. I said, to see people healed. And so he prayed for me and imparted a gift just like Paul did to Timothy. And he stirred that up in me to desire God's faith to heal people. So I began... Uh, I had to leave the other church because they wouldn't allow people to pray for the sick. And I was just so excited to pray for the sick. So I looked at various churches, and like Pastor John said, I, I settled here because they were praying for the sick, and they were listening for God, but everything was deeply scriptural-based. You could prove it all up. Some other places were, you know, while we were floating in the atmosphere, throwing firebombs and glory bombs, and I'm like, well, where's the name of Jesus in that? And, and how did that help your neighbor? And I, I looked at multiple churches and decided, I'm here. They're going out in the community and they're helping people, talking about Jesus. So that's where the focus always has to be. So two years, and I started going to the men's morning Saturday prayer. And there they were teaching men how to pray and listen for God to speak and then how to deposit that in other men. And I said, I never hear God speak. I pray, I read the Bible, and they said, well, and don't say that over yourself. Just anticipate. He's promised that all will hear his voice. And so going in on Saturday mornings was a real eye-opener to me because I could see how other people were hearing God. And some were very impressive with the words they were getting for other men. They couldn't know anything about what was going on in their life, but God was showing them. So I started going to Saturday morning prayer, and I began to, uh, over time, it took a while, I began to hear from the Lord. 
And so I was invited to teach on spiritual gifts at a house church. And there were 20 people. And a man came in. And he was dragging his foot. His heel was in the air. His foot was about five inches short of touching the ground. And as he walked in, I, in my own head, I just heard, he hears voices. Where would that come from? I mean, it was my thought, but it wasn't anything near what I was thinking of at the time. Well, at the end of this program, they asked if I would help pray with a speaker. I was the speaker for the next week. And so I said, okay. And this guy comes up for prayer. And he comes up and he sits down, smells like smoke, looks like he's homeless. And his only request is that he could be reunited with his family. That he had been a bad son, he'd been on drugs, done some other things. He just wished he could talk to his mom and to his dad and make up for the trouble that he'd been. I thought, wow, what a cool prayer. This guy obviously has lots of problems, but that's his, his desire. So I said, that's an awesome prayer. And I started to pray for that. And then I said, by the way, do you hear voices? And he said, yeah, I wish they'd go away. And I knew in that moment that I had had my first word of knowledge from God. That racked my faith up that I could probably pray to fix his back or to fix his leg. I'd never done something like that before, but... And there's 20 people watching me, and I started to think, well, what if he doesn't get healed? And I'm here next week, and I'm going to talk about this, and he doesn't get healed. But, you know, there was such a faith that welled up in me. when. So I prayed for the voices to go away. I asked him if he wanted to stop smoking. He said no. And I said, but if it didn't hurt you to stop smoking, if you didn't crave it anymore, would you want to stop smoking? He said, oh, yeah. So I said, I'm going to just pray that in Jesus' name, that addiction off your lips, you will no longer desire cigarettes. And then I said, what's wrong with your back? He says, well, you know, I had a lot of broken bones and uh, it doesn't work right. So I said, could I pray for your leg? And he said, sure. And I started to lift it up and he went into pain. He couldn't even get it three inches off the ground. So I told his back, I didn't know what I was doing. I just told his back to shut up and quit, quit being painful. And I prayed for his leg to heal and be the same length as the other leg. And wouldn't you know, he says, wow, there's a credible heat running into my leg. What is that? And I said, that's the power of God. I said, do you have faith he can heal you? Yeah. He stood up, and his foot was now only about two inches off the ground. And he started to walk, and he was able to put his heel on the ground. And by the time he left that night, he had flip-flops on, so you could see his heel was on the ground for the first time in five years. So when I got there the next week um, to pray... He wasn't there, so I asked the cab driver that brings him, and the cab driver said, well, you're not going to believe what's happened. I said, what? He said, he quit smoking cigarettes. He reconciled with his mom, wrote a letter. Now they're talking on the phone. He said he bought him a secondhand suit at the Salvation Army, and he's actually out in the streets preaching about how Jesus is still active and he's healing people and they can get a miracle. And I I just nearly cried. I said, this is how it's supposed to work. One person stepping out in the faith of what God has given them to ignite another person to step out in faith to do what God has given them. Uh, We've, as we've gone along, we've seen, you know, that our ministry is transformed. We started getting the words of knowledge. God would sometimes show me in public a black dot on somebody. And I could walk up to them and say, excuse me, do you have any pain right here? Oh, yeah, how'd you know that? And I said, well, you know, I'm a Christian minister. Sometimes God will show me something. Could I pray for that? And pray for it, and boom, it would be healed. So God, you know, it's not always that simple, but he, he, he just kind of evolved letting me know more about people. People will come up into the prayer line after we preach. And an example, in November, 
it was the first time I was teaching and I was getting words of knowledge for people who were in the audience. Now, usually if I'm praying for them or touching them, I can get a, a word of knowledge. But I was, I was hearing about things as I was preaching. And the first woman who came up was from this area where I knew that there was a problem with a daughter. She was an old woman. She had come up just to praise God. I just want to praise God. I'm so happy. I've been miraculously cured a couple of times. And God is so good. And he's so great. And I'm like, oh boy, am I going to interrupt this and ask her if she has a problem with her daughter? So I did because I always feel like I need to release what God is showing me. And I said, can I ask you a question? Do you have a daughter? Oh, yeah. And I have two. And I said, do you have a daughter that you're having a lot of trouble with? Oh, boy, yeah. And so she tells me about the trouble she's having with this daughter. And I said, you pray for her a lot, don't you? And she said, yeah. I said, God's telling you not to give up. She wept and she hugged. And we all prayed for her daughter. And I felt God was building a bridge for that. So Donette and I have kind of developed a lot of inner healing uh, where people come up for one and leave in tears. So when you see people leave in tears, it's not because we're squeezing the shoulder too hard. It's, it's God is trying to connect with people. And that's become a big part of our ministry. Uh, we, we had a lady, I'll tell one more story, just uh, keep us on time. Had a lady who came up and, and we had about 20 people to pray for. And she was the last person. And she she came up and I started praying for her. And... Uh, God was just showing me like this little video of her that she's very helpful. She's very creative. She helps and volunteers for the church. But she had Mickey Mouse hands, these big white, you know, like you would sell at Disneyland. And uh, I, I just prayed over her. And I'm just like, well, God's showing me that you like to volunteer. You like to help out. And he appreciates that. And there's a great deal of love for that. She goes, yeah, I volunteer a lot. You know, it's very polite. It's very nice. And we're going to pray for her. And I said, and you know, he's showing me all this with a picture of Mickey Mouse hands. And she wept. And she just completely lost it. And she walked off to the side to compose herself. And she came back. And through tears, she told me, you don't know what that means to me. She says, my dad was an animator for Disneyland for 25 years. And he drew Mickey Mouse. And my mom never thought that that was a job worthy of being called a profession. And he could never satisfy her with the nice things in life. And she would belittle him and demean him. And then she'd tell me, you're a dreamer just like your dad. Like it was a bad thing. So she had carried this hurt all her life from the things her mother had said. But if God would show her that he sees that she does have the heart of her father. That she is a person worthy of God's love. And he shows her with Mickey Mouse hands. She gets that. And so we prayed for God to lift all this hurt out of her life. And she walked away smiling with a story to tell. How in the world did that guy know my dad drew Mickey Mouse? These are the kind of gifts God wants us to walk in. And that we can all develop if we'll listen to him. And we'll forget about ourselves and what we're going to look like and just go do it. We'll have an amazing walk with God. Hey, man. Can we thank Les? <laughs> you say. I'm going to go ahead and call. So uh, we have about 10 minutes max. And um, the reason uh, we asked Les to teach was because he's not a professional preacher. He's a lawyer that goes to work on Monday morning, travels, uh, just like the average person does. And we, we want you to understand that God wants to use you in the same way. And so we want to pray for you. And um, 
Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's a journey that you've got to press into. But what we want to do is increase your hunger. God responds to hunger. He responds to interest and curiosity. We want you to take risks like Mickey Mouse hands. Sometimes you just keep that to yourself, right? You take a risk, and uh, boy, when you ring the bell, it changes somebody's life. So we want to amp up the supernatural in your life. So if you would like more of this, I'm going to invite the prayer teams down. So these prayer teams are going to um, pray.